Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 69. I look around the internet for the latest sci-fi, horror, comics, and fantasy news. And this is on Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. I'm Tony Tolado. Here are the headlines. The writer's strike looks over. Uncle and NCIS David McCallum passes away. No One Will Save You Review. And Dr. Strangelove goes to the stage. Deadline reports that the Writers Guild has reached a tentative agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Their statement reads, We have reached a tentative agreement on a new 2023 MBA, which is to say an agreement in principle on all deal points, subject to drafting the final contract language. The picketing for the WGA has stopped, and the issues of AI and writer's room staffing seem to have been resolved. More at Deadline.com. And speaking of more, there is more of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 69, in a moment. Deadline also reports on the passing of David McCallum at age 90 of natural causes in New York City. He was known for playing Donald Ducky Mallard on NCIS for 20 years. He was also known, especially to a young man like me seeing it for the first time, as Alien Kuriakin from the Man From U.N.C.L.E. TV series and the reunion movie done in the 80s. He was born in Glasgow. The actor was also a talented musician as well. After playing King John Shakespeare to acclaim, he switched from music to acting. His film career included The Greatest Story Ever Told is Judas and The Great Escape. My first introduction to this fine actor was in the Outer Limits episode The Sixth Finger, as he played a coal miner who undergoes an experiment that evolves him from the coal miner to a man of the future for scientist Edward Mulhair, who was the ghost in The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. The range he displayed stuck with me and is one of my favorite Outer Limits episodes. Uncle was also a childhood favorite of mine. I had the attache case, the badges, and even the toy guns. Talented actor, he will be missed. Variety looks at No One Will Save You. The review says the movie is an extraterrestrial creature feature cut from the same cloth as M. Night Shyamalan's Signs, where the jump scares are secondary to an earnest but far less effective portrait of coping with guilt and grief. Audiences who stumble blind should appreciate when, 15 minutes into the film, the shadowy figure that forced its way into Brin's, played by Caitlin Deaver's quaint two-story country abode, steps into focus. They realize those feet are inhuman. This pale-skinned home invader has long finger-like digits instead of toes and stalks through Brin's bedroom like a praying mantis. There's more of the review at Variety.com. Yes, Dr. Strangelove goes to the stage according to Deadline. Steve Coogan will star in the adaptation of the Stanley Kubrick classic from Armando Iannucci and Sean Foley. Coogan will play multiple roles as did Peter Sellers in the original film. Coogan commented, The idea of putting Dr. Strangelove on stage is daunting, a huge responsibility. It's also an exciting challenge, an opportunity to bring this timeless classic to a new audience. I'll be working with the best people. 
Sean is a master of stage comedy, and Armando and I started working with each other over 30 years ago. We've made some memorable comedy together, so it's great to be collaborating with him once again. More at Deadline.com. DC Films' home base will be at Levenston Studios, which is owned by Warner Brothers. The studios will undergo a major renovation, adding 400,000 square feet, according to Collider. DC Studios with James Gunn and Peter Safran will make the studio their permanent production hub. Collider has a story of the 20 scariest films of all time, according to Reddit. Here are a few. Number 20, Alien, 1979. Couldn't agree more. Number 14, The Empty Man from 2020. And that's a surrealistic film that focuses on the horror and sci-fi genres, while telling a tale of a former police officer who is looking into the disappearance of a teenage girl who participated in an urban legend ritual. Number 13, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982, featuring Rob Bottin's amazing transformation. And number nine, Hereditary from 2018, one of the most beloved horror movies to date. Ari Aster's unmatched Hereditary is everything everyone says it is and more. A grieving family finds themselves tormented by disturbing tragic events after the death of Annie's Tony Collette's heartbroken mother. The Exorcist finished at number five, to which I disagree. Why? Because it captivated audiences and people are still talking about it today. More at Collider.com. Deadline reports that an Enfield poltergeist documentary in four parts, that was the inspiration for The Conjuring 2, will be available on Apple TV+. Through four episodes, the events of Enfield are reconstructed using the recordings captured by Maurice Grouse, a paranormal investigator who archived all his interviews back in the day. The documentary built a replica of the council house where the incidents took place so the performers could reenact what is heard on the tapes. There's also appearances by those originally involved in the incident involving sisters Janet and Margaret Hodgson. Look for it on Apple TV+. More at Deadline.com. Screen Rant has some facts about Tom Riddle before he became Lord Voldemort, the name we don't mention. Here are some. Young Tom Riddle was incredibly manipulative, able to deceive and manipulate his teachers and peers, except for Dumbledore, who saw through his facade. Three actors played Tom Riddle before Ralph Fiennes. Christian Coulson was 23 at the time of his role. Older Tom was played by Fear the Walking Dead's Frank Delane, who was 16 at the time. And Hero Finds Tiffin, yes, he's the nephew of Ralph Fiennes, played the younger Tom. Tom Riddle is actually Harry Potter's distant cousin. Interesting. And Tom Riddle is half-blood, which made him extremely angry. More at Screen Rant. Variety reports that Robert Kirkman wants more Invincibles, the animated TV series he believes should go eight seasons to cover the scope of the story. He said, I'm not trying to pin down it to a number because it is somewhat of a moving target. I think in the seven to eight season range, seems like it would be enough, he said in a recent interview with Polygon. But there could be some things we can move a little faster, some things we expand. 
If we're fortunate enough to go for a good long time, I think it would be enough to cover the entire comic. More at Variety.com. Giant Freakin' Robot has a story on a classic TV series that deserves a return in Sliders, as they explored the multiverse before it became something of a trend. What would be more excited to see the return of Sliders rather than the second season of Loki, writes the end the piece. For one thing, the premise of Sliders made for a great dimension of the week storylines, where our characters explored classic genre ideas such as what if the British won the Revolutionary War, and what if the atomic bomb was never developed. Another reason they love Slider so much is that it's very engaging to see what happens when our everyman characters get tossed into different dimensions, where really only their wits can save them. It's a bit like watching a Doctor Who show starring only the companions. It's quite rewarding watching these characters pull their knowledge and skills to solve one multiversial problem after another. More at Giant Freakin' Robot. According to Trek Central, who broke down the new Discovery trailer, it has a crew on a treasure hunt, but they also have an opponent that's on the same hunt. It returns Tilly and a new Star Trek Captain Raynor, who is gruff and a wartime captain having trouble adjusting to peacetime. More at Trek Central. Let's take a break from Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 69. Speaking of Star Trek, here are weird Star Trek novels enjoyable to read according to Game Rant. The Enterprise War by John Jackson Miller. The 2019 novel answers a pertinent question. Where was the Enterprise during Star Trek Discovery's Klingon Federation War? Miller shows Pike's Enterprise caught in a different war between the Boundless and Rangu aliens who hope to use the starship to tip the scales in their favor. The Good That Men Do by Andy Mangles and Michael A. Martin. Few fans were impressed when Star Trek Enterprise ended by killing off one of its crew. In terms of both scripting and direction, the noble sacrifice of engineer Trip Tucker is an anti-climax. That shortcoming inspired authors Andy Mengels and Michael A. Martin to consider an alternative. What if Tucker's death was a hoax? Disavowed by David Mack. While Star Trek relaunch series provided fans with some franchise high points, it started to stumble by the time David Mack's disavowed in 2014. Six years earlier, Mack had torn up the status quo with his Destiny trilogy, focusing on a massive Borg invasion. The trilogy is excellent, but its fallout left subsequent novels unsure of where to take the series. A Singular Destiny by Keith R.A.A. de Candido. Readers might expect a sequel to TNG and DS9 to feature a hero like Captain Picard or a fan favorite like Kira Norris. Yet, although Keith R.A.A. de Candido's 2009 novel does feature DS9's Ezri Dax, it stars his diplomat, Sonic Prime a wholly original character. This stylistic deviation allows a singular destiny to interrogate the state of the relaunch universe. The Borg may be gone, but a new threat is rising in the form of the Typhon Pact, an alliance of several hostile states, including the Breen and the Gorn. More at Game Rant. 10 Things About Dr. Leonard McCoy from Trek Culture. Number 10. Leonard McCoy never attended Starfleet Academy. He did attend it in the Kelvin universe, 
but not in the Prime universe. He didn't invent his most iconic catchphrase, I'm a doctor, not a moon shuttle conductor, etc., etc. It was actually first used by Dr. Phlox on Enterprise, at least in the timeline. His first appearance was in the episode The Corbinite Maneuver. View the video at whattheculture.com forward slash star hyphen trek. Movie Web points out that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. turned 10, with Fran celebrating on X, formerly Twitter, and even Chloe Bennett open to return to the series if it came back. More at MovieWeb. Collider has a story on the clones wearing orange helmets in Ahsoka in their meaning. And this was in Episode 5 of Ahsoka explores pivotal moments in her growth through memories of the Clone Wars, with a focus on the Siege of Mandalore and the bond between Ahsoka and the 332nd Company. The orange helmets worn by the 332nd Company serve as a tribute to Ahsoka and symbolize their respect for her as their former commander, even though she left the Jedi Order. More at Collider.com. Check out the behind-the-scenes video. To me, Hayden Christensen is at his best in this episode as Anakin. Screen Rant also has an article on the mysterious Captain Enoch of Ahsoka. He is Thrawn's Captain of the Guard and has a name which is notable because stormtroopers normally go by numbers, suggesting Thrawn's influence. Enoch and Thrawn's night troopers have evolved from the Empire's uniformity with Enoch's modified face mask making him appear inhuman. Enoch's name is a hint at potential mystical elements with the night troopers, paralleling Enoch from the Bible who had authority over divine beings. More at ScreenRant.com. I love seeing the Night Sisters in live action. Thank you, Dave Filoni, tapping into the horror quadrant of the Star Wars universe. Superhero Hype has Batman the Gargoyle of Gotham trailer. Raphael Grampa's Gargoyle of Gotham takes place in a world where the Dark Knight has eschewed his life as Bruce Wayne in order to become Batman on a full-time basis. A serial killer is on the loose, and while the murder victims seem random at first, every clue draws Batman to a terrifying truth that they are all connected, not just to each other, but to him, reads the official synopsis for issue number one. When an all-new rogues gallery of utterly depraved villains begin to emerge from the depths of the city, Batman will have to contend with the very nature of evil, including which lurks inside the darkest corners of his own heart to face what's coming for the city. Check out the trailer at Superhero Hype. Boss Level Games has incredible sci-fi films that'll make you feel insignificantly small. I'm going to showcase my favorites from the list. Contact from 1997. Great performances at Science and Faith clash in the adaptation of the Carl Sagan novel. Great McConaughey, and also a great Foster as well. Arrival from 2016. Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner shine in another First Contact movie as scientists try to communicate with an alien species. Interstellar. Great Christopher Nolan flick about saving the world with McConaughey and Hathaway shining with some mind-twisting paradoxes. 
One of my favorite animated films, Fantastic Planet. This French production is about oppression and freedom. One of my favorite SF films ever. And my honorable mention, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I am offering a free lifetime subscription to Sci-Fi Talk Plus. You get exclusive episodes, episodes early, and episodes uncut. Click on the link in the show notes for a free lifetime subscription offer. Yes, it is free without any obligation. Thank you for listening to episode 69 of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly. This is Tony Tolado. Take care.